Hey there, people of the interwebs. My name is Brandon Noel. This is the first time you're tuning in with us. We are the Bookies, a uh, monthly uh, book club podcast where a group of uh, friends sit down each month and and review and discuss a particular book. This month is uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, um, a classic in science fiction literature. Uh, but before we jump into uh, today's book... Uh, August 17th, 18th, and 19th, I will be at Mighty Morphin Con in Anaheim. I'll be in the Artist Alley. Please come by. Uh, I'll have uh, plenty of uh, Power Rangers uh, sketches and paintings. And, uh, um, you know, I do commissions right there on the spot. I uh, charge $5 for a sketch card, $8 for a quarter sketch. 10 for a large sketch and 15 for a self-portrait. Um, I also do 15 for sketch covers. So if you're in the Anaheim area and uh, you're looking for a fun uh, family all-ages convention, August 17th, 18th, and 19th, uh, Mighty Morphin Con uh, at the Anaheim Convention Center. It's going to be a fun show. A lot of the cast members from the uh, original Power Rangers show are going to be there. It's going to be a great weekend. So I look forward to seeing you guys out there. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Also, uh, if you want to support this podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash destinycomics. Destiny and comics are both uh, uh, capitalized. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if you find any entertainment in this or any value, uh, just... Uh, we're asking for like a dollar a month. That's that's it. Thank thank you so much. This podcast does cost money to run, and uh, you know we're we're happy to do it. It's a lot of fun, but uh, we would definitely appreciate um, a tip, you know, a buck in the hat. So thank you. And without further ado, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. Where'd you learn to? I wonder. He probably has my blade right here. Ooh. Just do Android's dream of electric sheep. Yeah. Okay, now, yeah. that was an interesting... It wasn't the, the, the Android's dream book. Remember mm-hmm. that book? Mm-hmm. That was an interesting book. Mm-hmm. I've never read it's the not book. the same book you're talking about. The title came from that. Oh. There's another book called Electric Sheep? It's called An- The Android's Dream. That's oh. what it's called. Right. <clears throat> it has an electric blue sheep in it. It's, that's called the Android Dream. That's the species of sheep. And it's about that. Okay. Um, 
we are the uh, bookies, uh, and uh, I'm Brandon Noel, Wayne Abraham, David McFarland, Justin Stallard, Bonnie Stallard, Maylene Noel. And uh, this month we have read uh, Douglas Adams' The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, this was uh, Lewis's book, and uh, he's not here, so I'm basically the plot is... Uh, the Earth blows up, and Arthur Dent is thrown into the galaxy. And there's not much of a plot past that. He gets <laughs> saved by a hitchhiker through the galaxy who has come to Earth to study Earth and got stranded there, and decides to save uh, his friend's life before the explosion. Ford Prefect. Sounds like a car model. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, when it, uh, there's a line in here where, uh, when he first got to Earth, he mis- mistook cars as the dominant species of the planet. <laughs> I missed that. So he named himself. Uh, that's his secret identity: is Ford Prefect, thinking that cars were the dominant species, and then realized, oh, humans, because the only thing that he knew about Earth was it was harmless. There's a slight difference. Yeah. Uh, so um, talk about I guess uh, favorite scenes, favorite moments. Um, my I guess my favorite part is the first time we see Arthur assert himself and that's when he meets uh, the the galactic president mm-hmm. and he goes no you're Phil <laughs> and he calls you hey, you ruined it yeah, so pressured you stole the girl huh. <laughs> you know and it's just you know poor, poor prefect being like like you never met the president, <laughs> my cousin. You know, yeah. still my cousin. Still my cousin. Um, but that was probably my favorite favorite scene in the from the book. Um, I had a hard time getting into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> this is the third time because I I borrowed this in high school. A friend lent it to me, and then she had a situation. I had to give it back. Um, so the first time, I, my first failure with guarding or hitchhikers uh, was not my fault. Uh, second time was college, and then college stuff happened, finals, and so it's taken me almost 13 years, but I've now finally finished this book. Um, so uh, we'll get around to that, but uh, yeah, I guess that was just my favorite scene. Uh, Wayne, there's there's a lot of tidbits in it that I enjoy, but one of the things that stuck in my mind from the last time I read the book, and this is my third time reading it, so is uh, Arthur is reading reading something. I don't know if he's reading it or if he's just having a conversation, but he says, I seem to be having tremendous difficulty with my lifestyle. And at the moment he says those words, a freak wormhole opens up in the fabric of the space-time continuum and carries them to a distant galaxy 
where there's these warlike aliens around this table on the verge of a war and these words erupt out of nowhere and because and they turned that that's the words of a major insult for them it was it was those words happened to be a major insult in one or the other of their languages and so this horrible war broke out that destroyed their galaxy and after the fact they figured out what happened and that Earth was the source. Well, not Earth. Well, then it came from our galaxy and the first planet they came across was Earth. And, and so they have this whole joint war fleet fleet where due to a terrible miscalculation of scale, the entire battle fleet was accidentally swallowed by a small dog. Those, those who study the complex interplay of cause and effect in the history of the universe say that this sort of thing is going on all of the time, but that we're powerless to prevent it. It's just life, they say. <laughs> but I... The, the reason that one sticks in my mind is because of one of the old sci-fi comics that I, I read back somewhere between 5th and 7th grade and it was like alien race had made contact with Earth and they had been sending messages back and forth and the aliens were going to land and so they picked this big open area in the Midwest and they had bleachers and stuff, you know, and concession stands, it's going to be a carnival, meet the aliens, you know, and and this type of thing, and the, they're on the radio, and the spaceship is coming in, and it lands in this terrible liquid that is starting to eat through the hull, and, and the aliens are describing being attacked by these monstrous beings, and all the people looking around like, what are they talking about? And it turns out that the alien ship is almost microscopic in size, and it landed in the sauerkraut at the hot dog stand, and the you know, microbes. microbes and stuff in it are attacking the ship, and then the guy scoops up sauerkraut to a spectator, and the guy's eating the hot dog, and his molars crush the spaceship oh. and everything. And just, you know, they're describing all these horrific things, and they're hearing the screams, and everybody's looking around like, "What? What's happening?" You know, what's it? So I had read that much prior to this, but this reminded me <laughs> of that scene. You know, this entire battle fleet being eaten by a small dogs. So it's probably why that resonated with me. But that, that's one one of my favorite scenes. So, Dave, um, yeah. Do you have yeah. a favorite scene? I've got a couple favorite scenes. Okay. Because they remind me of something else. Um, the meaning of life, the universe, and everything. The answer is 42. And the only reason why I like that is because it was a, a little tidbit on the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> um, let me see. There was another reference of gives me a migraine headache thinking down to your level. <laughs> um, there's a metal band called Megadeth who wrote a song that had that lyric inside there and when I read that I, I thought of Megadeth <laughs> and then um, let me see what was the last one oh yeah um, the ancient guy off the planet Slotty Bartfest 
my old friend Chuck, member from our D and D group, he named his character Slotty Bartfest <laughs> in, in Dungeons and Dragons, and it kind of reminded me of that too. I'm like, okay, that's where he got it from. <laughs> All these years. Yeah. Well, I just thought he made up the name, but then oh, he got it from this book, and now I know. And. That's about all I like about this book. All right, Justin. Well, the one that comes to mind more often is they've been ejected into space and they are saved by the ship and there's this whole... When they realize... when they start describing what they're experiencing and seeing inside the ship that is traveling in probability drive yeah and they're not in the shielded room it's like it was a chemically induced trip fest or something it just absolutely crazy yeah really crazy that sounded like they make well they did make a movie of it but I've never seen it yet but I, I, I like to hope that they went really crazy on that particular part of the. You're better off skipping the movie. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It has Martin Freeman in it. It's yeah. worth watching for Martin Freeman. Well, it's worth watching uh, for. Um, Zoe Deschanel in it, too. Uh, Snake. Um, Alan Rickman. It's worth Rickman. watching for Alan Rickman. Rickman. Yeah. See, that's the only thing. I guess, like, one of two things I remember from the movie is Alan Rickman. <laughs> I remember like, some of the things from the movie. That it ends a little different. It, they kind of mess things up. But. It's still Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's not a bad view. No, it's not horrible. But in that same scene, the, the one thing that I always loved about that, or at least the part that... Oh, were you Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. The, the monkeys. Ah! Yes. Are you, you going to... Yes. Okay, you so have a chance right now. I have a chance. You okay. Yes. I was transitioning really well, and you oh, stole it from sorry. me. Sorry. Stolen from me. I'm just out of the group. There's a today. theater person. Yes. The monkeys. The monkey. Four. He said, "There's an infinite number of monkeys outside who want to talk to us about the script for Hamlet they've worked out." There's this theory that if you put monkeys in a room with typewriters long enough, they will. And you're just typing away, and just that they will eventually produce the script for Hamlet. Okay. It's this, it's this theory, and it's this, it's hilarious. And so the fact that they brought it in the book, yes, I agree with you, Brandon. I laughed really loud, and I think it scared Justin. <laughs> <laughs> he jumped. He was sitting next to me. I don't know if he was reading or on his phone or playing a video game or what, but I, I was, was reading. Playing a video game. <laughs> and I went, and I laughed really loud because I, I think Link laughing. died at that time. <laughs> well, I killed Link. He had to restart. Um, yes. So the monkeys killed me. Apparently, Bonnie, you and I can't be around our husbands when they play video games because you cause your husband's character to die. I cause my husband's character to be kill others. Yes. That that was one of my favorites. That's one of the two things I highlighted in the book on my Kindle app here. Um, but um, see, it's a movie. Every time I think about like. In the movie, the dolphins leave. In the movie, you see, it just talks about the dolphins mm-hmm. in the book. In the movie, there's a whole song, and it gets stuck in my head, and it's been in my head all day. Thanks for the fish. So long, and thanks for all the fish. fish. The, the whole thing. It's very, very annoyingly catchy. Um, <laughs> that's a weird scene, but but it's still worth watching. I see. I, this is the second time. Well, this is the first time I've read this book to myself. When my sister and I were, I don't know. Sixth and seventh grade, probably, maybe sixth and eighth, something like that. See, my dad, who's sitting across the room, laying over there, he used to read to us pretty much every night. 
he'd read to us and he'd go through different books. And this like a good father should. That's right. And this is one of the books that he read to us when we were around that age. So somewhere around, you know, I was in junior high and my sister was either just finishing elementary school or just in middle school kind of thing. So, um, so I've had the book read to me before. This is the first time I have read it to myself, but it's my second time through the book. And um, so there's some, there's some fun things like, you know, in our family, we have a Pangalactic Gargle Blaster drink that we've been drinking since we were kids and it doesn't have alcohol in it or anything, but it's, you know, it sounds really cool. Pangalactic Gargle Blaster. I mean, it's nothing at all like what they described in the book, but the name comes from that. Um, let's see. I had, there was a moment and I just thought it was fascinating. Arthur and, um, Flarty Bartfist or whatever you say, however you say his name, are in the, the car, the air car. And it's talking about how it shoots toward the circle of light and suddenly Arthur had a fairly clear idea of what infinity looked like. It wasn't infinity. In fact, infinity looks flat and uninteresting. Looking up into the night sky is looking into infinity. Distance is incomprehensible and therefore meaningless. The chamber into which the air car emerged was anything but infinite. It was just very, very, very big. So big that it gave the impression of infinity far better than infinity itself. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. He uses, okay, see, he goes on these, like, acid trip sections, and then in the middle of them, he throws in logic, or science, or math, or all three of them. And you're just like, okay, so the guy's smart, but some of the stuff he's writing here is, like, yeah. yeah, incomprehensible. But anyway, so so there's things that I like, definitely. Um, fascinating stuff. It's definitely British. Um, I like the opening scene for Arthur, you know, um, sitting down in the mud trying to stop him from demolishing his house. And then within a few hours, his whole, whole earth, his whole planet has been destroyed. But, you know, that whole, that whole thing where Ford's just trying to get him to drink some beer, and then he wakes up here, eats some peanuts, and Ford has no idea what's going on in the poor guy. He's a little slow. Oh, little, little 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 Arthur. That's what Arthur, and not yes. Ford. Sorry, Arthur. Yes. yes, you have to have your towel. I do like the logic of having the towel. I like the whole thing behind the, the towel. The logic behind the towel was well written. It was. All right, Manny. I didn't see any logic in that at all. Well, um, I had a couple favorite things, but I think my favorite scene was where they're getting ready to come into impact with the two missiles. And the entire time, the interface of the computer, whatever, is singing this, this tragic song. And it's a song that I happen to know, so I can totally hear it in the background. And it's, cause it, a lot of times in movies, you'll see something tragic happening, you'll hear me, the sad music in the background, and this, so this computer kind of takes it upon itself to, you know, sing a song, he says, um, and while he's singing it, he'll give updates. You know, right, that's a 30 second Yeah, impact. like there's this one part where it says, and the sweet silver song of the lark revised impact time, 15 seconds, fellas. And then he just keeps continuing. He goes, walk on through the wind, walk on through the rain. <laughs> he keeps singing the song while he's giving the Okay. updates and it's like uh, so I, at that part I, I laughed because I actually knew the song and I could kind of envision it in my mind as to you know while it's happening like you know just as everything's going crazy everything's you know at one point the ship's upside down and the computer's just like kind of like okay just so you know you have so long until you live now I'm going to finish my song you know mm-hmm. so I, I, I liked that part you know and um 
you know, like you said, Bonnie, I think I like the beginning when Arthur Dent's just so enwrapped and trying to keep save his house, and Ford the entire time is trying to, you know, say, let's there's a bigger thing going on here, you know, mm-hmm. it's not just about your house. Okay, if I get the guy to sit here in your place, can we go to the bar and talk about what's going to happen, you know? So. Four yeah. pints, drink up. Yeah. yeah. And the Most moment that the bartender, like, has that feeling of impending doom for a second, it's like, really, the last? You know, and then he's like, last call, <laughs> you know, yeah. final drink. <laughs> you know, you're like, okay. That was, that was, that was a... One of the other things that I liked and, and I didn't something they said reminded me was uh, when Arthur you know Ford's talking about they're going to make the jump into hyperspace and you know brace yourself and, and Arthur goes what's it like and Ford goes it's like being drunk and Arthur goes, that's not so bad. And Ford said, ask a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, you realize that the word drunk did not mean what <laughs> it meant. It means being consumed. No, that's a good one. Um, yeah, I think my, my biggest problem with this book is... There, there seems to be kind of like a lack of structure, which is fine because it's not really, it's not space opera-ish. Um, but I'm I, the, the 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 line I, I, I okay um, okay boys hold on tight said uh, Zapod or what is it Zapod. Zapod. We'll take you. We'll take it in quick. We'll take a quick bite at the restaurant at the end of the universe. Like it sets up more adventures, and there are more adventures. Yeah. Well, the next book happens to be the restaurant at the, at the end, end of, of the, the universe. universe. Yes. But this felt like didn't feel like a complete story to me. It, it just it didn't. You know, we got a lot of thrown at us. They made the movie into a complete story. They changed the end up just enough that it made it like yeah. that. And I see yeah. why now, why they did that. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like how they changed it. But well, also like uh, Zoe, what's the girl's name? Zoe Dishman. No, Zoe Dishman. Mm-hmm. Trillian. Trillian. Trillian, is not, yeah, Trillian is not a character in this book. She has two or three lines. She's an object of, you know, Arthur. She's... No, she's very intelligent. Mm-hmm. She's the one who was running the ship. They probably doesn't know what he's doing. Right, right. She's running the ship. But like, we that, that whole voice of the probability countdown that while they're... That they hear her that's was her. her voice over the loudspeaker. It wasn't the mm-hmm. computer. She stopped, It says she stopped counting, turned off the thing and started oh. talking to Zaphod. So that was her voice they were hearing, which is why to Arthur it was somehow familiar. Because mm. he'd talked to her before. But even so, like, she doesn't have that much... Not enough of a character, yeah. I get what you're saying. She gets more in later books. Okay. You know, um, uh, and, and you're right. This is, this is kind of the, the introduction. You, you have met the main characters. You have the ship with the improbability drive that can go pretty much anywhere they want to go. 
and outrun anything, you know. And now they're going to, I'm assuming. I bought all five. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's one book. The so, was, yeah. Um, on, on my Kindle. Mm-hmm. And so, at the end of The Hitchhiker's Guide to Your Galaxy, the moment that it changes to the next book, it's 20% of the way done. So, it's one-fifth of the way done. Mm-hmm. So, each book is apparently a fifth of the story in the, you know, as far as in the book collection Which, of all of them. Personally, I don't mind if it sets up the next adventure and everything. It's just... My only thinking as far as that goes is it seems like kind of a risk to leave it at that if you don't know for sure that they're going to let you publish more books following the adventure. I mean, I don't know. I've always been one of those people that if you are, if you do have a series of books, I always felt the first one should be a complete, almost a complete story just by itself, even if you kind of give a hint that there are more adventures later. Just because, I mean... How many authors know for sure they're going to get to write a second or third or fourth book? Well, you know, countering it, I don't know. He may have written all five books as a single huge novel, and his publishers may have said, let's break it up. I don't know. Knowing what I know about Douglas Adams, I really doubt that. Because he was very, he was an incredibly smart author, but he was a very slow penman. There's years in between when these books. So I mean, like I don't know. That's what I would want to do. Kind of like the first Harry Potter book could be its own adventure with nothing coming after. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm glad that you know there were other books being a fan, but the way that book, for instance, was written is it could have been its own story if they had decided, oh no, we don't want to publish any more Harry Potter books. Or, and there are other books like that where the first book could have just been in its own adventure, you know? Right. And I just, I don't know. That's probably I'm not sure that this one's bad on its own. Oh, no, mm-hmm. I, I'm worried about it. But I'm just saying, if you're going to have that kind of leave-off, uh, it might be helpful if you know for sure you're going to have some, you know, what he did, yeah. obviously. He did have other books, yeah. so you can't really complain on that. But I feel it's kind of almost... In my opinion, a little presumptuous to leave off when you don't know for sure if you're going to have another book, you know. Well, also, my biggest problem with this is more me than the actual book. At least that I had a hard time getting into this. I almost feel like a bad nerd that I couldn't get in because this is this is a book that has like it's big in the nerd community. Mm-hmm. It is super important in the nerd community. Um, it, the TV show, radio show movie at one point DC Comics published a comic book series um, if there was a, a, an adaptation they have done the Hitchhiker's Guide of it yeah. I like the radio series I, I just recently found out I haven't heard it yet but I just can't get into this like the, mm-hmm. the characters just it's fun adventure Maybe because I had it read to me when I was a kid, I still enjoy it. I, I can see where there's certain parts, and you're like, uh, okay, so it's disjointed. Yeah, it's a bit of. I don't know that it's really a cliffhanger. But it kind of, it mm-hmm. kind of is, I guess. But I guess the thing is, is that I recently, in the last couple of years, read a seriously, like the most irritating cliffhanger ever. <laughs> like the main characters have found a place, they found out all this information, things that they're going to have to do and accomplish, the place they're in gets attacked, they all escape through a portal, 
And as the last one goes through the portal, it, it's through a mirror portal, mm-hmm. the, the person staying behind who's sending them off smashes it, and that's the end of the book. Like, they literally have just... I'm like, are you kidding me? They went through a door, and the book ends. Like, it's this hugely, like, climactic moment, and there's no... No resolution. Nothing. It's just, where is the second book? And um, it was uh, one of our nieces, she had the books. And, and, and they're teen books. It's fine. There's something wrong. You know, young adult books. But um, thankfully, she had the first two. Because I looked at her and said, are you kidding me? That's where it ends? She's like, here. Okay. <laughs> I was like, thank you. <laughs> this is not okay. <laughs> you know. So, having read that cliffhanger recently, this was nothing. <laughs> but I get what you're saying about it. I'm not. I just, yeah. <laughs> I will not be recommending so, that. Yeah, well, when you're. Well, did you have any finishing? Okay. No. For, for me, um, the ending came unexpected to me. Mm hmm. Which sounds odd, since mm-hmm. this is my third time reading the book. But you have to understand that I read, I read the other books. So in my mind, I've got the whole story. So when I'm reading this, you know, I'm going, okay, yeah, and then it suddenly stops where it stops, and I'm like. Okay, I wasn't expecting it to end quite yet, but I guess that's where this one ends. So yeah, that's right. There are other books in the series, and I have read the entire series, so I had the whole story in my head. So it it did come. It was it came as a surprise when it ended where it ended. It is a nice last beat, but it just feels like we have just got some information. We need to go do a thing, and then. No, we're not gonna go to sandwich. You know, and and uh, better be a damn good sandwich. You know, that, that Arthur whole, didn't even get to eat when they were eating. Arthur's probably the hungriest person right now. Yeah, because he hasn't ate like anything since those peanuts. Two days. Yeah, he needs a sandwich mm-hmm. or whatever they're gonna get at the restaurant at the end of the year. It's a new clothes. Oh my gosh! I know. And and it's. You know, like I said, this book kind of kind of came to an end, and and in a way, uh, this is just the introduction. Mm-hmm. Like that whole part where Zephod's running the brain scan and accidentally discovers that there's this whole section of his brain that's been sealed off. And his initials are on it, so he knows he's the one who did it to hide it from anyone else, including himself. But he doesn't remember why. And he had a valid reason for doing it. But that comes out in, in the other later. books. You know, later in the other books, and not in this one. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going, oh, yeah, he did that, huh? And, and so I'm... Waiting for us to find out why, and we don't. And, 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 we, and we didn't because the book ended here, and so that means I have to to go finish the rest of the series now to refresh my mind on everything that happens. So yeah. Yeah. But All right, Dave. Where's your list? 
<laughs> I'm just going to be nice and say that right I didn't I didn't like this book mm-hmm. because I'm not a big fan of British humor. I just don't get it. I guess my uh, comedy is a little bit more on the caveman crude side, and this just doesn't appeal to me. There's a couple of things you can. Uh, Faulty Towers is now on Netflix. I just don't get British humor, dude. I just don't. I just don't think it's funny. So funny. Because it's Brandon, he does not like British humor. <laughs> don't like British you and I love British humor, but he doesn't. Yeah. But no, the Faulty Towers is more situational. It's not dry British. Yeah. I just don't get it. I mean, the, yeah. the whole book just didn't really make any sense to me. They just try to, I don't know, it just kind of, kind of reminded me of Star Trek a little bit, and then. Except you like Star Trek more. I like Star Trek, period. I mean, this right? This just, to me, this book's would just as stupid. I would say Star Trek is drier than this, though. No. Star, all right, for me, Star Trek's usually a lot of people just staring at a monitor talking about, like, like I'm not a Star Trek fan, so... Well, I'm not, so, I'm not you like a, British humor, he likes yeah, Star Trek. Yeah. Let's agree I'm to not, disagree. British humor just doesn't make any sense to me, and... It, now I know why I'm Scottish and they're English. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> biological. You're just programmed. Mm-hmm. It's hardwired. Yeah. 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 I, just, I don't know. I, I don't plan on, on reading in any of the rest of these books. And if another one gets picked out of our box, I'm just not going to participate the next time. Well, well, I don't think we have any more of these no, books. We no, we got one. We got another Douglas Adams book. But it's not this series. It's not in this not series. series. Well, I feel like writing to the guy and tell him how poor his book was. He's long since deceased. I'll, I'll contact him in heaven then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, he deserves to be in hell. Oh, no, that's no, all right. No, no, that's very right. This. I'm um, sorry. They're just. I yeah. just don't get it. I, 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 mean, I finished. I finished the book out of respect for our little book club, just to say, yeah, I read it, so that way I could give myself a hundred percent in here. Say, yeah, I read it and I didn't like it, so that way I deserve my opinion, and you guys are getting it. No, it's fair. It's fair. Um, I would say if, if, when we do get to the the, the, the next Douglas Adams, it's in the. I'd rather room. read the Maze Runner again. Oh. I, I would say yes, that, that. that dirty. I, I would say at least think about uh, Holistic Detective. No, because it's Doctor Who. No, all right. I don't care if Tom Baker gives me an autographed copy of the book. I'm not reading it. Yeah. We lost Dave. All right. <laughs> To Douglas Adams, anyway. Uh, Douglas Adams. All right, Justin. Uh, the problem I had is I'm going along, I'm just starting to figure out what's going on, but all of a sudden, bam, there's a three-page footnote. And it kind of derailed me, and then I got to kind of catch up again. And, and uh, it, the, the story bounced a lot, and I had trouble keeping up with it. And I got some of the humor, not all of it, but I'm, that's just because I'm slow. But uh, Bonnie thought it was hilarious. Some of it. She just I couldn't. laughed several times, but it was always like random stuff and like just out of nowhere because it wasn't like a, a chuck. It was like a one-liner that I suddenly laughed, and I have a loud laugh, and I made him jump at least three times while reading it. But there's that one chapter, chapter 23. I'm re- I read chapter 23. It's only like three or four pages, and like that chapter could have been left out of the entire story up to this point. Mm-hmm. Bonnie says, "No, just read it and 
I'm like, okay, so it does tie in, but I wish they would have been able to tie it in a little bit better because it seems a little frivolous. What's chapter 23? It's, uh, it's the one about the life forms that are intelligent on Earth. And it talks about how the dolphins yeah. are the dolphins. second and the most mo- intelligent. And the mice are the first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it says that there's one that's more intelligent. And oh, he's yeah. like, we don't need to know that there's an, a species more intelligent than dolphins. Like, what's the point? It says that no, because later the mice are important. But they're not important then, they're important later. So I'm like, it's important yeah. later. In our print copy, it's literally a full page. It's just one page. Yeah. <laughs> so. It is. It is disjointed and it's weird and it's got some, but it has some gems in there. Like it does, and things that I like. So I can see why some people don't. I can see why it's fine. I found it funny at times, and you didn't. It's fine. Um. But but I still plan on reading the rest of the book since I have them now, and um, you know it's I don't have a I don't have a big problem with it really. I there are there were moments that I'm like oh my goodness like the whole some of the random stuff in the whole like improbability drive shifts I was like it's like here's the thing the author thought of all these things he always ever wanted to add to a book and just decided this is my only chance I'm ever going to get to write this part I'm going to throw it in here like that's how I felt and I'm like it's great to have a thing where you can just throw random crap in it but at the same time some of this is really random crap exactly <laughs> like, I don't need all of it but there was some really good stuff and I felt bad for the whale the missile mm-hmm. that got turned into a whale mm-hmm. and had a very short life well, like the wh- well, the well served a purpose. It did it? serve a purpose. Yeah. Bad boy, though. Of course, then you had the pot of petunias. Yeah. I so love oh, that. Not again. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think my biggest problem was the improbability drive because there are times, and normally I'm all for silliness, but there are times when this book was just too silly. Like, just too too silly <laughs> or just dumb? Well, just silly, like... It wasn't any kind of like I'm not one who likes to read things that are silly just because they're silly. Yeah, like like it's gotta be like I, I understand random humor. I understand just like occasionally being frivolously silly, but when you have like hunks of the book where that's all it is, it's uh, that's where the act for me the disjointment comes from because. It's not anchored down by any of the book. It's just, oh look, he Ford's turning into a penguin. <laughs> oh look, you know, the yeah. missile became a whale. Oh, it's like, okay, well that was like those things. Some of it confused me. I asked Brandon, why, why did pressing that button like make everything okay? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I understand why Arthur pressed it because he was literally the only thing he could think of to do. Right. And sometimes when you're desperate, you do things that make no sense. But why did that, by pressing the improbability, make it okay again? <laughs> you know? Well, the improbable happened, which means they survived. Well, yeah. Because that, that was the biggest unlikely thing It just seemed around. a little too convenient. Like, like he, he developed yeah. it that way, though. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's just, well, I mean, he was having fun with the improbability driver. If the improbable happens, I mean, 
why is it that they survived in the safe form? Why couldn't they have turned all turned into whales? Or you know what I mean? Like, okay. like that's just that was my problem with it was the improbability of it. The improbability. The silly was too silly. At times, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad book. I had no problem reading it. It's just at times it wasn't too silly. And there's a quote from uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson that kept popping in my head when I was reading this. The universe is under no obligation to make sense to you. So that was, that's why I was asking. The guy who made Pluto a non-planetoid. You, you know what? He yeah uh-huh. he Makes was, sense. yeah. Listen to an interview with him about that because he says he wasn't the only one. You know he he, he well, said he's getting blamed for it. He is. He said he may have loaded the gun, but he didn't pull the trigger. Is is about Pluto? How um, does he know? He's never been there. He needs <laughs> to shut up. <laughs> um. So the universe doesn't have to make any sense to me. But a book should make sense. Yes. <laughs> I'm just saying. No. A book should make sense. Mm-hmm. Narrative structure. So that's but, but if the book is about something that's improbable, then the likelihood of it making sense is very small. Mm-hmm. Although, I can press a button and it should make sense. Well, you, know, you know how Not I entirely. Made, you know how I made this book make sense? I was reading this book at work. And there are times where I take it into the bathroom and just take my time and read a couple chapters. There are a couple times where I say, screw this, I'm going back to work. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying it's impossible because it's it's all on the improbable. So I get that. I understand that. I'm just saying it's a little too convenient for me in that particular moment. See, that's funny because I was just waiting and I didn't remember any of this part, but I was just waiting. I'm like, Improbability drive, why are you guys freaking out? Press the dang button. Like, that's what I'm thinking this whole time. Finally, Arthur does it. So I'm waiting for them to use the only thing they had to get out of it, and the computer doesn't even think of it. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? You could zap any, like, do anything, and those, those things can't follow you. The improbability drive has made a shift where it can't be followed by other starships. It's not going to be followed by missiles. Then how did the police find them? Eventually they found them, yes, but they can't keep up, what I'm saying. Like, they can't just... No, it's they just stupid. Help. How did they even find him in the first place? We don't know. They probably had a tracker on Daypod or something. He was the president. Yeah. They probably had a tracker on him. <laughs> He's been in prison before during his presidency. They probably had a tracker on him. <laughs> yeah, but but here's the thing about that. In the middle of a like cloud or whatever. Who knows? Who knows? You know, the cops just randomly show up. Yeah. Have you watched The Fugitive? Yes, I have. Okay, then. Okay. Yeah. And then the depressed robot Oh, the depressed that robot was, yeah, was my favorite. I love the depressed android. robot. I would have shot that thing. How did the depressed robot save He talked to the ship. The ship was in charge of their suits. The ship the got so depressed, ship. Oh. it committed suicide, and then the police died because their suits stopped working. Okay, I understand. I was wondering how that... I, I didn't connect the two. I love that. I also love the space things. Like, come out or we won't shoot. They just start shooting yeah. and, we don't really like shooting, you know, a little bit later. Should we just shoot him this morning? Yeah, I guess so. You know? <laughs> okay. Well, that's my Brennan? Hmm? Last yeah. thought? 
Last thoughts? Um, we're running like super short because we're down a man. Yeah, Lewis would have a lot to say. Lewis, you, you need to have a little extra add-on with just Lewis talking about uh, it. Yeah, I might have to put it down. Sorry. And, and set up a Skype something or something. Yeah, something. Um, I mean, like I said, it's not a bad book. Overall, it's an easy read. Shame it's on you, Lewis. <laughs> and I would not be here. No, 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 no. There's nothing wrong with this. This is part of nerd this stuff. Okay? This is a cornerstone of nerd culture. It really is. The life, the answer, life, the universe, and everything is 42, people. I once got okay. candy at Comic-Con by saying that. There you go. Because somebody, it was, I got a candy from... Um, Holly Golightly, Holly Golightly, who's the publisher of Tarot Comics, is at a panel, and she asked some questions. She's like, does anybody know the answer to such stuff? What, 42? She just threw me a candy. <laughs> it wasn't even the same question. It was yeah, but it didn't matter, because the answer to life, universe, and everything uh, is 42. 42. So I, I asked Google, and here we go, what is the meaning of life, the universe, and everything? The answer to life, the universe, and everything is 42. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Even Google knows it. Yep. <laughs> it is, this is a cornerstone of literature. It's and a cornerstone nerd of nerdum. Um, I mean, I'm definitely glad I read it because it's been on yeah. my to-read list forever. Is it 13 uh, not years? mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, everything from Doctor Who has referenced this, the... Yeah, um, so many things reference this. It's, it's something. Yeah. References are the other way around. Um, no, there, there's this predates Doctor Who. No, so I'm saying like, yeah, Doctor Who references this. Like yeah. all these things. Nor does this reference Doctor Who. Well, no, David no. Tennant actually has a, in his run in 2000, I think, in seven or 2006. There's a clear Arthur um, a Dent reference in one of the episodes. And the guy who wrote this. Wrote, edit, wrote and edited for Doctor Who for a couple of years, didn't Which he? is one of the things that always confused me about Douglas Adams, because he's, he's a slow writer. There's like years in between his books. Maybe he's not a slow writer. Yeah. Maybe it's just that he does everything else and then finally gets back to his books. Because like when his TV yeah. work, you have to Art stick to his schedule. So yeah, he, he must have just been so busy with other things that he just, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not a Douglas, who, or Douglas Adams expert, yeah. but that's always... Yeah. Something that always kind of caught my like, like how could there be years in between books when his TV work was <laughs> you know, busy doing his TV work? Yeah, yeah. Talk, talk to the author of Game of Thrones. That's <laughs> 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 yeah, true, George R. R. Martin. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, this is this is a cornerstone of of, of fiction, and um, I may have to add on something with Lewis because otherwise, I'm afraid we might get hate mail. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, we're not spending enough time talking about how glorious and amazing this book is. I liked it. No, it's not. I liked it. So, okay, so we're 50 50 here. Mm -hmm. Three of us liked it, three of us in. And one, like, screw that. You were part of the in. Eh. Eh. No, it's not in. Eh. Okay, two in, eh. one. Flipping at the finger, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so you you do a Skype session with Lewis and have him say the parts you like, the parts you dislike, and final thoughts, and it will round out the length of time we need for the broadcast. All right. So, all right. Uh, let's go ahead and, and pull okay. next, next book. Month. Who wants to pull? Who pulled last week? I did. It should be thoroughly mixed up. The cookie jar fell over in the car.
Mary Riley by Valerie Martin. Mm. Okay, who suggested that? I did. Oh, okay. okay. That is the story of it's uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde's story from his maid's point of view, mm-hmm. and I've seen the movie, and it's a very good movie. So I, I was excited to, to find out that it was a novel. I remember the movie Mary Riley. Wasn't that with John Malkovich? John Malkovich and, and Julia uh, Roberts. Julia Roberts. Yeah. I remember walking out on that movie in the movie theater because I, I thought it sucked. I so thought bad. it was a good movie myself. <laughs> I never even heard of it. So. I've heard of it but never seen it because it looked scary. And I don't like to watch scary no, stuff. It's, but it looked scary for yeah, me. Yeah, I know. Maybe the book will be different. Maybe the book will. I don't Joe know. I haven't read it. And I walked out on the movie. Huh? Mary Riley by Valerie Martin. Maybe the book will be better than the movie. Let's hope oh. so, because the last few I picked based on movies didn't do so well. <laughs> <laughs> What's the last name? Um, Martin. Martin, yeah. Okay. All right. We'll see you guys next month. Bye. 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 Hey there, people of the interwebs. It's me, Brandon Noel. Um, that was uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, uh, sci-fi classic. Uh, Douglas Adams um, there you have it uh, we might somewhere down the line do m- more in the series who knows this was kind of a divisive uh, uh, conversation so anyway next month we will be reading Mary Riley uh, written by um, uh, Valerie Martin it is a uh, really interesting book. It's a, a short, short read. It is a look at um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde through the viewpoint of his house servants. So, really good. Um, Maylene and I read this and then went and, and read The Curious Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Really good book. As I'm speaking right now, it is on sale on Kindle for $5.99. It is normally $16. Bucks. Um, I don't know by the time you hear this if that sale is going to be still going on, but I just thought I'd point that out because it's a, it's a fun book. Um, so with that said, um, next month, hope to, hope to see, hear from you. Um, please like, subscribe. Leave a comment. It really, really helps. If you've enjoyed this, enjoyed any of the conversation, even if you've hated it, um, throw a comment down there. Um, you know, it, it. Tell us how much you hated us. Uh, we need the comments. <laughs> and uh, with that said, once again, if you uh, are in the Anaheim area, Anaheim, California, August seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth, uh, Mighty Morphin Con. Uh, it's going to be a heck of a convention. Um, you know, uh, the original Green Ranger is going to be there. Uh, a lot of the uh, OG cast members, a lot of the cast from Time Force and, and some of the other seasons of Power Rangers are going to be there. So if you're in the area, check it out. It's going to be a fun weekend. I'll be in Artist Alley. Um, so uh, Brandon Noel, you can't miss me. If you're in the area, you come through, let us know you're a fan of this podcast. We'll hook you up with something. So uh, take care. Have a good one. Um, And also, patreon.com slash destinycomics. 
if you kind of want to help out this podcast. Thank you, and have a great month.